hi everybody so um in today's video i am going to do a book review by Brittany cooper eloquent rage by Bri <laughs> sorry guys my name is wisisuwecha jayo i am a career coach and founder of black women in the workplace and in today's video, I am doing a book review, um, Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. So it's called Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Finds Her Superpower by Brittany Cooper. Um, wow, I was so triggered by this book. Um, and it also just... Um, it emphasized the importance of reading um, in that when you read, you um, add context to what you're going through, especially when you read books about people who are like you, who go through the same um, experiences, kind of adds context and adds a framework within which you can think about um, the challenges that you struggle with. So you know growing up there are things that you look at and you think this is not right but you struggle to um to articulate why it isn't right and reading just gives us that gift of um of context of structure of um allowing us to understand the history of what we're going through and why is it we're going through what we go through so i'm very grateful for to Brittany cooper for writing this book i think it's a very very important book um i think um she did a great job and she did such a comprehensive job that um I really am just going to touch on certain things. And I'm going to touch on a lot, but I still would have not really um, exhausted the book um, in terms of its gift to really to black women. Um, so Brittany Cooper talks about how she is black, fat, and um, single woman in her late 30s i'm not sure when she wrote the book i guess i should have checked um i'm not sure if she's still single i think i've seen a video where she's wearing a wedding ring but i'm sorry i didn't check that before i did um so that is the concept black fat woman single um professor academic um around issues of black women and black feminism um so i also want to really admire uh women who have been able to call out the church women who have been able to be staunch um feminist and still stay in the church i really admire that because when um i started understanding the things that i was struggling with um, when I started to read more and learn more about it, I stopped. Sorry, I'm fiddling with my um, light here. When I stopped, uh, when I started reading and understanding the things that I didn't like about the church, really feminism and, and reading has just uh, switched me off the church, switched me off religion as a whole. <laughs> 
So, uh, but I always say that I'm I'm a, I'm a non-Christian who really, in many ways, still acts, still lives a life um, the way I did when I was a Christian. So, um, yes. So, women like her, Brittany Cooper. Um, the other one, oh, I did a big review by Austin Channing Brown in her book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. She also really calls out the church and she's still a Christian and as well, um, what's her name, Tamura Namax in her book, Jezebel Unhinged, Losing the Black Female Body in Religion and Culture. She really also touches on a lot of these issues that Brittany Cooper touches on um, and really calls out um, religion, but it's still in the chat. So I really admire that. Um, I say it didn't work for me. I just got put off. But the nice thing about it is that you can still be a Christian. You don't have to stop being a Christian and still um, be a feminist and still um, agree with feminist um ideas because we always um talk about feminists as if a feminism <laughs> as if um thanks thanks stretch schools i think it's level thank you uh, we always talk about feminism as if, as if it's an ideology but really feminism is our lived lives as women and i think it's very difficult to choose whether to be a feminist or not as a black woman because your life is such a um it's that of so much um oppression from different um places that you're kind of forced you know to be a feminist and, and i've read a lot about feminists who are not who are not necessarily educated who couldn't articulate feminism but women who from rural areas in the olden days would run away because they're forced to marry someone uh, because the family has made a has decided that this person must be marrying um for, for whatever reason and i think that is feminism to um, own your agency and push it even though the circumstances don't allow you. So yeah, anyway, I like that Britney fetches everybody. So Britney fetches everybody. Britney fetches black women, black fathers, men, feminists, white women, supremacy, academia, uh, teachers, the church, everybody like nobody is safe she just goes and talks to and 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 calls out everybody in um around the issues that affect black women and how everybody has how all these different groups have um contributed to the oppression of black women so Brittany starts off by acknowledging her anger um, and that anger for a black fat woman like her, that's how she calls herself, is dangerous. Because, and, and because um, if we are true, if we speak our truth, um, there are certain places that we're not um, 
welcomed, when, where our truth are not, is, is not welcome at work, in the church, in our communities, in our families, um, we have to kind of navigate and not really speak the truth um, because it's not welcome. Like it's not welcome to be who we really are. I don't know, it's, it keeps um, going off and I really want to see. <laughs> so anyway, um, so he, she says that black women have settled for sex, you know, and sex is the, because sex is more palatable. So sex is the finger waving, eye rolling, hands on hips, uh, neck swiveling, uh, protest gestures um, that are characterized by, uh, by, uh, by characters like Medea in Tyler Perry's movie. So that whole ghetto girl who's like, you know, so uh, black women are known for that sex, and she um, argues that we use that because it's more palatable than rage. And rage is ex is actually how we feel. We're very angry, um, and and there's a reason why we're angry. And she also acknowledges that she has. Um, denied her own anger. So she's a professor, she lectures, and one of her students um, once talked about how her class, her class is, there's so much anger in what she teaches, um, but it, the anger is eloquent, the rage is eloquent, because she teaches black feminism as well. And she says that she said, no, I'm not angry, it's passion. And she thought about it and she thought, um, actually that's exactly how she feels but um yeah so it's very interesting how because of all of the um, what is the word of the of of, of the um, stigma around black women and angry of, of the angry angry black women that we also struggle to actually acknowledge and own our rage and i also love the whole point of eloquence the eloquent rage so our rage is not um the rage is not just unbridled all over the place but it's eloquent it's based on facts it's 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 researched and understood and 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 therefore eloquent so then she also talks about how smart independent women are desexualized uh, um struggle to find men to f struggle to find relationships how when she was in varsity and she was the smart woman who even ran for for office at at school and didn't win and one of the reason was that the person that she was running against wore heels and looked all pretty um, and she never thought about um, wore a suit and looked all pretty and she never thought about how um, elections had to be yeah very insightful thank you so how elections had to be around um, popularity and how women have to um, kind of show femininity how we 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 kind of navigate situations by becoming soft wearing makeup you know wearing hair like this silkier hair and how it allows us to get into get opportunities you know there's a big debate about hair and, and African hair and how we need to own it but a lot of us understand the discrimination that you get, um, the opportunities that you might lose 
just because you wore your hair a certain way. The challenges that black women have to navigate around being true to themselves and, and, and how um, and how they have to um, create a certain appearance. Yes, and then she talks, um, just going back to desexualizing, um, de uh, being smart, how even men who would have lost comment, uh, an argument with her would remind her that she's ugly or she's undesirable and how she struggled to find a man um, but just never had a boyfriend um, in her varsity days and for a long time she even uh, at the time of writing her book was talking about how she struggles to find men and how we are always taught that we should be little girls work hard and be and get educated and when we are educated we seem to have worked ourselves out of the dating game um that the smart girl is not looked at as sexy and appealing and how um kind of girls have to kind of be strong but it's like um that they need they have to taper their strength so that they can get chose so um yeah so which i thought was very interesting and was kind of my experience as well through varsity where um yeah you struggle to to to, to find a boyfriend because you're so outspoken and so um so so almost kind of men speak to you as an equal um um debate with you but you just struggle to 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 get people looking at you as a woman um okay so uh, and then she also talks about the complicated relationship around black girls which i really really love um what she talks about you know i did a video in my youtube around jealousy amongst black women in the workplace and it's one of those of the most watched videos and the most commented I don't get a lot of comments but it's one of those most commented which talks to how people are no, people um have had the experience of black women being um jealous uh having competition amongst each other and not supporting each other um so she talks about black black women she talks about how she loves black women and she she's suspe suspicious about women who say they don't have friends uh who are black women um they have friends they only have acquaintances and they only have a friends with men um she believes that we we need each other and would have to be friends um with each other um that that we need each other and we have to be friends with each other and she talks about beyonce um so i'm gonna talk more about how she speaks about beyonce but i really loved how she's a smart accomplished black woman um black academic who loves beyonce and she loves beyonce's politics and and loves she talks a lot about him her book, her, her thingy, her salt, her, her bum lemonade, where she's showing a lot of her, femini her feminism. And she talks about how uh, Beyonce says she loves being a woman and being friends to other women, where she talks about her friendship with, with, with her group, um, Destiny's. This is Destiny's Child, yes. And she says that should be a tagline for every feminist. We need to love each other 
and and stop betraying one another and she talks about being bullied as a as a as a young person by as a young girl by other black girls how they would be friends with her but gossip about her and how because she was in a multiracial school um that there were not a lot of black girls to be friends with how she had to stick with those girls even though they were not loyal to her because as black women they needed each other and then she talks about the song that Beyonce has about bow down bitches where she's saying um to those girls who are haters you know what bow down so um and then she's talking about how we need to call each other out um as black women as each other um, but yeah, she's still all about black women being being there for each other and carry and, and having each other's back. And then she also talks about trans women um, as women. That when we talk about black women and the struggles, we can't not include um, black um, trans women because they are women. And she actually fetches Chimamanda. Um, for one interview where she kind of denounced, I forgot the quote, um, 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 what is it, trans women as women. And then she also goes back to the whole issue of Beyonce and how feminists, our academic feminists have issues with Beyonce. And I must say that um, I love, I mean, we are all grateful to um what's her name bell hooks for what she's done for black feminism like um black black um uh, bell hooks has written so many books and has really helped us conceptualize and understand feminism and what it means um but um i've also had her where she was talking about beyonce as a terrorist at how she um, still wears blonde and all sexy and how she is not a good um, example to young girls. But she talks about, um, okay, she doesn't talk about black um, bell hooks, but she talks about how um, feminists, um, especially in academia, black feminists are so against Beyonce and so against Beyonce being calling herself as a feminist and she talks about how Beyonce um doesn't uh doesn't acknowledges her that the fact that she's a feminist which is different from women like Erica Badu who have been very political but would call themselves a womanist or humanist or 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 that and she also says that part of the issues that people have about Beyonce is that it's almost like she was a pretty girl she's a pretty girl she's a light-skinned girl she's the girl who used to bully us who used to be mean to us as young girls um and then we went to be educated because we were not pretty enough and now she's in our territory and we get to be the mean girls because now we're educated and we can um speak down to her um so she and she 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 accuses black feminists for of holding feminism to academic circles um and then she 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 says it's almost like we are so angry at her pretty privilege and it's almost like a pretty 
women who have always been pretty and slim and closer to whiteness don't have a right to feminism. So that, that's what I really like about her. She fetches everyone. But anyway, um, then she goes to white women. She talks about um, her complicated relationship with white girls. Um, she talks about how because she went to a multiracial school and because she was so smart, she was um, removed from the black class um, and to multiracial schools, um, to the white class, better students, um, where there were very few, I think there were three, two, this was three of them, and how she had to have white friends and how they welcomed him. But she says how she couldn't be herself and, and racism would crop up. For example, um, girls would invite each other. They would, like she talks about one of her friends who invited all of her friends and didn't invite her because her father doesn't like black people. Um, and then talks about how she... Um, so there is almost like we need to be... We need to be all in arms together, collaborate with white women on feminism and, and, and how we need each other, but how white women sometimes um, are not for us. They, they, they abandon us. Um, they abandon us when, when it comes to their uh, brothers and husbands and fathers. Um, she, she talks about how um, in the election for Donald Trump, most people who voted for, for Donald Trump was, were, were white women. And also how feminism is really um, around white women issues and doesn't go into the intersectionality of being black and female. Uh, and she also talks about how she loves um, strong women and most of the time on TV, that's white women. And just her history with white women, she talks about Hillary Clinton as well, um, how she understood her. Um, it's Britney, sorry, um, 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 that we're saying you don't, didn't catch who I'm referring to. This book is by Brittany Cooper. Uh, it's called Eloquent Rays, a black woman, a black feminist superpower something, but it's called Eloquent Rays, um, Rage, Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. So uh, I'll add the picture on my, I think I did add the picture on my, on my Instagram. So she, yeah, so she talks about the, she talks about Hillary Clinton, how she supported her and her politics and, um, but how she has issues around um, how he, she and her husband um, really kind of declared war on black boys um, and calling them super monsters and is kind of responsible for for the for, for, for the high incarceration of black of black boys, um, so and she calls out feminists that white feminists kind of want us to be together, but when it comes to black issues, they don't stand up. For an example, around black Black Lives Matter, um, which is was a movement was really t started by black women and 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 white women were not um, there, but how we um, 
are there for them. For an example, she talks about the issue of Bill Cosby when he was accused of raping all those white women because most of the people that she raped were mainly white women and how um, uh, how black women, how there's also a lot of history around black men being accused of raping white women or white women crying foul when it came to black we uh, black men even if they it was a consensual relationship if they are found out they would say they raped them and how black women were lynched black men were lynched for that and so when black women agreed with white women who said um they were raped by bill cosby it was almost a um it was almost them um uh, being what is the word not uh, not being loyal to 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 the race, but for them it was if a black if a woman cries rape, we believe her and how they stood with with white women as black women, but when it comes to issues around. Um, black issues, white women don't show up. And then she also talks about white women's tears and how they are so dangerous, how they have led a lot of people, uh, a lot of black men to death and also how they are used as a weapon or they are used to run away from issues when you're being confronted. When white women are being confronted, they just cry and how you can't cry, how your tears don't matter. You can't use that at work. Work, whereas white women can use their tears at any time and how that is weaponized so that was very interesting um, uh, so so she yeah so that is that about black, there's a lot around white women um, and then she talks to black men and black fathers <sighs> how black fathers have um, abandoned their children, how black men have been, um, how they have been violent to their partners, how when they left their partners, they would leave their children. She talks about her experience with her father and her mother's experience with men where her mother was dating her father and was dating this other guy and this guy killed, uh, shot both her mother and the father and was jailed and and how um, she ended up yeah i think i think they were not dating or something but they ended up being together and that's how she came along and how when that man was out of jail the mother had to try you know get a gun you know get a, a restraining order how black men um in a lot of ways are, are enemies are, are people who um, we we have this struggle where they are brothers and they are fathers, but they are the people who hurt us the most. They are the people who inflict so much harm on us that we struggle with trust um, and love around black men because we don't feel safe and how you know they continuously. Um, abusers, leavers, abandon us, and how um, she does talk about how patriarchy and white supremacy has been unfair to black men, but how that has been uh, piled on black women, how, um, you know, uh, black women are called gold diggers because 
uh, black men are struggling with the whole, they have to be providers, but there are not enough opportunities for them. Um, and then she talks about how this one time when her father was shot and went to court and said, please don't allow the man uh, who shot him to go to jail, but was willing to be, was very abusive to her mother and was, was, was violent, was often violent with her mother. And she talks even about her grandfather, how violent she was with her, um, with her grandmother. This just history of um, this, you know, war between black women and black men and how black women cannot rely for uh, um, cannot rely on black men to stand up for them how black women always have to be strong i remember talking talking to this friend of mine that um i'm struggling with something around the business and he says i know um, i know you will be fine and i said oh i wish people didn't say that about me i wish people would say oh she's so fragile let's go help her how we are just expected to push through to be strong and and how our men don't protect us um, and they look at us as strong as not needing um, protection and love and and she she also talks to Obama when those girls in Nigeria were taken by Boko Haram how he was busy with his um, I don't know he launched something around black boys um, and and there was nothing it was only I think Michelle who did a, um, a thing around bring back our girls, but there was nothing from America that was willing to go and, and attack to, to retrieve those black girls. It's, it's as if black girls don't matter, you know, and no one is there to, um, to cover them. And it really made me kind of understand the issues that we have around relationships and trust and how sometimes we think it's our issues and we think it's because of how I grew up, maybe because I grew up in a single parent home, but um, just the understanding of how palpable this issue around black men and black women um, is very interesting. And then she talks about how her mother repeated patterns of abusive men, like her father. Um, she talks about um, oh, her mother fetching herself, kind of, um, she talks about how the system just really breaks black women and how that's why a lot of um, uh, issues around women is about a lot of therapy and help and self-help around black women is about becoming whole because so many pieces of us um, are left all over the place. She talks about um, her mother putting herself together after she's gone through all those relationships and how even when she was abused, when she was you know, shot by these men, it was always around her leaving and how every time something happens to a black woman, they are, um, they are blamed for staying with these men etc um and then she talks about reading books like Ianla's yesterday i cried and and some pink bible and other books and it was so interesting that those are the books that i used to read um 
to kind of pull myself to get myself together and those are the parts the books that really started my own healing so it's very interesting to um to realize how our, our lives are so similar even though i'm a girl in africa and she's a girl in 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 South Africa when she talks about the pink Bible, I just thought, oh, that's the woman that loose Bible by T D Jakes. I yeah, I really marveled, and she talks about how her mother eventually married um her father, a, a pastor, a man who had decided she'll never put uh, the hand on black on 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 a woman. But she also talks a lot about how women are shamed. Uh, how black women are shamed for being in single households, for being left with the kids, whereas these men who actually leave uh, black women. Uh, for me, it was so interesting about how a lot of shame that we carry around... Um, the things that happen to us as black women. I mean, she talks about the fact that there was a study around um, the fact that black women are not, um, their net worth comes to about $5 because of, of all the burdens that they carry and how um, we go through a lot of, um, yeah, we, we end up in single households, we end up, we love these men and they leave us, but it's all about how black women are portrayed as uh, also as very sexual, um, and and as as these women who just have kids or gold diggers, etc. So uh, even as if uh, it's something to be ashamed of. Then she also talks a lot about her struggle to meet men, how she's been touched, how she's been a good girl all her life, you know, closed her legs, uh, focused on her studies, and now she's educated and can't meet a man um, who is either as educated as her, or she, she says we end up saying just he just must have a job, and how uh, being independent and outspoken mm -hmm. is now an issue with these men, whereas men also still blame um, black women around being gold diggers instead of fighting the patriarchy that says they have to have money, you know, to they have to have their money together. So it's almost like. Um, and women have to shrink themselves to be in these relationships. And then she talks about respectability politics, which was so interesting to me. Um, just remembering growing up as a little girl, the shame that I used to feel about my body. Uh, when as, as I think as young as 10, I was told I can't wear a certain skirt at church when I'm in front. Um, how we have to look a certain way, how we have to dress up, how we have to always be, you know, the most dressed, how we have to work so hard to be respectable, to to actually just not know that you find that I am always, I was always the most dressed or well-dressed at work most jobs that I've been in and um, especially in jobs where there's a lot of black women you find that we dress up and how um, in jobs where you work with white women you see how most of the time they're so relaxed in how they look like but you have to you almost have to be um, 
like the standard has to be really high for you to stand out and for you to get jobs and um melinda Hutz talks about it in the memo about talking to this recruiter and saying that um how yes uh, she agreed that she would rather hire a woman who has hair looking more white than you know natural hair so how we've been as girls shamed first at church and how these sermons around women and how they dress and how they sexual and and also at work having to look a certain way well put together so almost like we have to be well put together everywhere and talks about michelle obama how she how she was scrutinized every time but how she's dressed and how she always had to be together and it was interesting i actually noticed that um in the in the documentary that she did after she left the presidency, she was all on her calls and not in the, you know, in the bang, smooth bangs that she was always in. She was not as put together. And she talks about how um, in the inauguration, she just had her hair in a bun um, and how in a ponytail, which just shows that she didn't try and how that even speaks to how we speak with what we dress, that she was so tired and that she didn't try and she didn't care. And then she talks about her grandmother saying she must have sex, um, that she is getting old and there won't be any grandchildren and her mother saying, even if you don't get married. And then she talks about how you're told to be a good girl, but at some point uh, people f um, pressurize you to, to, to have sex all of a sudden when they've been teaching you all this time that you have to be respectable and close your legs and, and she actually wishes that she had um, allowed herself to have more sex. And I agree, uh, but that's another conversation. Um, yeah, she talks about shaming and then she even talks about the Obamas, how they also bought into the respectability politics, even how, you know, it was like a scandalous, um, um, presidency where they had to make sure that they were perfect and it made me think about how we struggle with perfectionism that we can't make mistakes that this comes from somewhere that we are not allowed to make mistakes and we have to always be perfect otherwise that impacts us more than other races uh, and how, you know, we have to be respectable and dressed up so that we can prove that we are not savages, that we are better blacks, and how we we deal with respectability politics. Every time we go to work, um, we have to kind of, you know, prove that we are not... Um, um, you know, the other day I was looking at the funeral of the, the Zulu king in South Africa and I was looking at how the girls were dressed, their breasts were out and it was beautiful and no one is saying anything. And I was thinking, so when the rape is then, and so understanding the more I go into respectability politics that it also came in with um what is it with decolonization where buying into christianity um people had to now trust us that dressing up as christian covering 
and it was a way to buy into and to get what um christianity was going to was was going to allow so the economic benefits of christianity so people even if they didn't believe um in christianity had to you know look a certain way to show that they've they've now converted and and also get all those benefits and how we do that as well to get jobs and then she talks about how uh, which really hurt um it talks about how yeah the black woman's pain is not acknowledged it's like it doesn't matter and how um we show it in different ways and and how sometimes it's shown by insolence uh, by quality quiet insolence and she talks about this um experience where this this situation where a black girl um was carrying a phone and they uh, at school and they they said she must put it away and she refused but said nothing but just refused and how the security guard was called in pushed her with the desk and pulled her and she even hit the window and she didn't say anything she just didn't want to um give give put away a phone and how this other girl was like what the fuck what the fuck you can't you can't treat her like that and how they were they all were in trouble <coughs> and so she talks about how you know in different ways we cry out um because of our pain and how it seems to not matter, like there's not such an outcry. She does talk about how black young black men are killed and how that doesn't matter. But for me, um, um, so I even thought about the whole R. Kelly saga that it could go on for so many years and how even girls who um, um, are, are who teachers schools school teachers who um pre, who 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 sleep with young girls who basically molest young girls and how it the young girls the young black girls always shamed for being fast and it also made me understand a lot of shame that i grew up with that i didn't understand and it helped me understand a lot of issues around um how we are and the pain that we carry. It was really, really a triggering and a very painful book to read, very empowering as well. So I'm still going to unpack a lot of what she has taught me, um, what she wrote about, which has made me understand a lot of the black issues, black women issues better. Yeah, so I'm really grateful for Bidney Cooper for writing this book and then she reminds us to be happy, to smile, to find happiness and I'm all about that. The black women need to find happiness, need to find their joy and need to find ways to just be happy. Uh, Pumzile, thank you for being here and Humozo for coming. Um, there's three other people, but yeah. So thank you. Yeah, so that's what I had. Um, there's so much more to unpack and there's so much more to get in, but um, it's nice to be understood. It's nice to have someone really talk, um, really unpacks what you're going through and to really understand how similar our our experience as black girls um, in South Africa and, and in America. And what always hurts me is that we are the majority here, but I do understand that we have been colonized and we come from that very colonized um, 
background so yeah i hope you enjoyed it um if you don't catch it I'll